it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hope you had a great weekend, everyone. It's Brian Kilmeade back in action. So glad you're here. Uh, special thanks to everyone who met me up in Rochester over the weekend and uh, then Saturday and then on Thursday. I was on Long Island in Bayshore at Barnes & Noble there. So Barnes & Noble in Rochester, too. So it was just great. Uh, so happy to be back with you today. Uh, because we're eight days, eight days and counting into the big election. And we know the president of the United States will be at a big rally. No, he'll be at an event. He'll be at a service in New York, just a generic service in New York. Nobody wants to see the president. The former president's been in overdrive. Even the vice president's more in demand. It is sad. Joe O'Day is going to be with us at the bottom of the hour. He is uh, being surprisingly formidable in Colorado while being anti-Trump. And Michael Bennett's vulnerable there. We'll see if Colorado wants to respond to the Republican Party. And then next, Lindsey Graham from South Carolina. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by Crunch Fitness. Interested in owning your own business in a growing $30 billion industry? Check out Crunch Fitness at crunch.com. Number three. That's what Elon wants to bring back to Twitter is reasonable exchange of ideas. So what they would like to do is silence the people that have opposing viewpoints. It's a way to communicate. Uh, that is 100% true, and Joe Rogan's 100% right. Twitter and Musk Smiths and celebrities promise to exit. At least some are. Will that change the platform platform for you? Number two. If people are upset with the status quo, which they clearly are, Democrats' only chance to hold on, especially in some of these Senate races, is to say the bigger risk is taking a risk on the other side. Staying with the status quo you don't like mm-hmm. is uncomfortable, but not as bad. Amy Walter, Cook Report. Big races, the most contested contest, the final debates and rallies. It's the midterms, baby, and we have eight days to go. Number one. There's a lot of movement in these last couple weeks with undecided voters, and we've seen the bases be excited for their candidates. But undecided voters, as Kellyanne knows, tend to vote on the pocketbook issues, on the economy, and the economy isn't in good shape. Josh Crosshair on the Axios uh, talking about what he has found. The economy is overwhelmingly all other issues is uh, take a backseat. Dems remain bogged down on abortion and Trump and putting so many bright blue seats in play. It's the right way is the right wing wave now undeniable or can Obama save the day? And that's the question. President Obama speaking everywhere over Wisconsin, over in Michigan. He's going to be in Pennsylvania. And President Biden is terrible speaker, doesn't know where to come and go. He yells the whole time. And his track record's terrible. The Inflation Reduction Act is green energy. If you look at all the studies, and I'll, I'll give you the latest one from ABC. Economy, 28% of the people say the economy's number one issue. 16%, uh, 22% say inflation's the number one issue. You combine them, it's over 50%. Abortion's third at 16. That's way away. Guns, 7%. Republicans came to the table on guns. Climate change, 5%. That's the problem. President Biden says, look at all I've done. You go, yeah, look at all you've done. Do you know we're running out of diesel and natural gas? You know how much gas is oil we don't want to drill? So uh, over the weekend, some stunning news, if you see it. 
uh, on Friday, they decide, or Thursday night, they decide to have a rally with Ron DeSantis on Saturday with Lee Zeldin. By Saturday, they went from zero. They had to shut down the ticket request at 7,000, end up between ten and 12,000 in a parking lot on a Saturday night uh, on Long Island. That's Lee Zeldin, the guy that was 24 points away six weeks ago as governor of New York. That's stunning to me. Fast forward, Kathy Hochul with the first lady, about 175 people claiming that Lee Zeldin is going to ban abortions if he's governor uh, and he's going to make Donald Trump essentially his running mate, which is not true. He's shown unbelievable flexibility and allegiance to working with Governor Adams and saying abortion will stay the way abortion is because that's what this state is, despite him being pro-life. I'm stunned personally that it hasn't been an awesome pivot to the economy and what you're going to do and and maybe talking about some of the things that you claim to have done that are going to be delayed. But right now, you're going to watch the Fed up interest rates another 0.75%. So now the average interest rate for a home that you might want to buy, 7%. A few months ago, it was 3.5%. Here's Governor Chris Christie. Can't believe how the Democrats are missing it. Cut four. Look, I think the economy overall is the biggest issue, as you said in your in your piece, that's touching everywhere. I've, in, in the last couple of weeks, I've been everywhere from Oregon to Rhode Island, and, and you hear about inflation first and foremost from everybody. Um, crime is more localized in certain places. When I was campaigning in the Hudson Valley in New York for House candidates, crime was more important issue to them than inflation. But in Oregon, inflation was, was even bigger, despite some of the things that have happened in Portland. And in Oregon, homelessness um, is a huge issue there, and one that's become the centerpiece of the of, of the governor's race there. Homelessness is huge. Uh, and I don't discuss that much, and I, and I should. And what you do is you have Austin, which is getting it under control, believe it or not. Uh, I understand, but as long as it exists, it's bad. But, you know, they're overwhelmingly Santa Monica, overwhelming in New York City, overwhelming Union Station in Washington, D.C., and when it becomes so overwhelming, you got to repopulate an entire city with homelessness. And what, it, what I'm finding, New Orleans, too, for example, what you're finding is that people aren't necessarily missing rent payments and kicked out. Some of these people are on drugs and violently or mentally ill. The other thing is they just want to live off the grid. They gotta, you got to be telling people, you can't do that. Not going to happen. All of this leads to people saying we got to have a change because of Republicans, for the most part, to a man or a woman, are saying, you really like what's going on here? 79%, 79% of Americans, when asked, think the nation right now think things are out of control, which leads many people to think they'll make a change. Josh Kraschauer, as I said, and you heard in the big three, talks about where this all is trending. Cut six. There's a lot of movement in these last couple of weeks with undecided voters, and we've seen the bases be excited for their candidates. But undecided voters, as Kellyanne knows, tend to vote on the pocketbook issues, on the economy. And the economy isn't in good shape. Uh, so they te- they're, 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 we're seeing in a lot of these close races the undecided voters in these final few weeks breaking towards the Republican Party. They're not satisfied with the direction of the country. The Senate map is getting a little bit bigger than we thought a few weeks ago. We're seeing tens and millions of dollars spent in districts that Joe Biden carried by double digits. Uh, you're seeing a big map and a map that's moving more and more into bluer territory. Here's some of those Districts that Josh just referred to, California 26th District, Julia Brownlee is sounding the arm to colleagues about her surprisingly competitive race against Matt Jacobs 
and they're getting money into there from the Republican Party. 25th District in New York, Joe Morella, uh, Morelli faces uh, Rochester Police Chief Leron Singletary, who I saw over the weekend, a great guy, who's gathering headlines in 2020 when he was fired after the death of a man in police custody as crime has emerged as a top issue. So Joe Morelli's getting a whole bunch of money now to try to stop Leron Singletary, an African-American uh, law and order guy. Pennsylvania's 12th progressive Democrat Summer Lee is running in a, in this Pittsburgh-based district to replace Mike Doyle, a Democrat, against a Republican local legislature also named Mike Doyle. So listen to this, the money pouring in there. So that's where the millions are going. Democrats, uh, the Republicans see a major flood, and they don't want to leave any money on the table. So when I come back, uh, I have a lot more to say, obviously. Cannot wait to say it. So that's why I got to get Lindsey Graham on board. He's been working hard for Herschel Walker and others in Georgia and trying to get the word out that he's got to get back into the majority to save the country. That's how I feel. Brian Kilmeade Show, don't move. Expanding your knowledge base, it's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, What exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my (laughs) name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Why is the former president making this case and not the current president? So I would I would disagree with that characterization <laughs> of your question or how it was characterized there. Mm-hmm. Um, the president has been talking about this almost every day for months now. He's been talking about the choices that are at, at stake here, right. which is... But we all know the truth. Uh, the president is a terrible speaker. He's angry all the time. 
And his record, he does have things on his record, but none of them are helping Americans, I would argue. Senator Lindsey Graham with me now, working extremely hard to turn the Senate red uh, and get back into the majority. Senator, why don't we see Joe Biden out there? Am I wrong in my assessment? (laughs) Well, you know, politics is a business, right? If you're a candidate in one of these close races for Senate as a Democrat and someone told you, hey, Joe Biden just showed up to help you, you literally would jump out a window. You know, he's at 40 percent approval rating. Seventy percent of the people think the country's going in the wrong direction. He's the last person you need on your campaign to help you try to stay in office if you're a Democrat. And uh, the reason we're going to do well, Brian, is the backlash against this Biden agenda. No doubt about it. And when I've been talking about foreign policy, where we've alienated Saudi Arabia and Iran uh, at the same time, we give a stiff arm to the Israelis. At the same time, left Afghanistan to become terror university. Not yeah. only, according to Scott Mann, not only is al-Qaeda and ISIS back, but bin Laden's son is running the al-Qaeda back in Afghanistan. Why is the president getting a pass on this? Well, you know, why, you know but what happened to Paul Pelosi was terrible and horrible. Uh, the guy's been a little. I mean, when a Republican gets attacked, uh, we don't have the same coverage, right? So I am pulling for Paul Pelosi to fully recover and you know, bring the way of the law down on the offender here. But the reason we're not hearing anything about Afghanistan is that the liberal media is an extension of the Democratic Party. But the reason you don't see anything about a broken border except on Fox is they know that would be bad for, for the Democrats. And I hate to say it, but the New York Times, the Washington Post, and most of the main networks never cover anything uh, of consequence when it comes to this broken agenda. You got a broken border. You got terrorists back in charge of Afghanistan. You got Putin trying to rewrite the map of Europe by force. All this happened on Biden's watch. You wouldn't know it if you watched the mainstream media. Right. The other thing is Brazil just switched back to this corrupt leader who went in jail for embezzlement and more. And he's gone. He's an extreme leftist who's going to just give up his country to China. And the president salutes him on his big victory. Well, you got you got a you know a guy left a center one in Colombia, so there's a backlash in Europe uh, by conservatives against uh, the liberal agenda being pushed in uh, in Europe, and there's a backlash here. I don't know what's going to happen in Central and South America, but the reason we're going to do well a week from tomorrow is because the public does not buy what the Democrats are selling. This is a backlash election. And the only reason it's still competitive is the amount of money Democrats are able to raise. Herschel Walker's been outraised thirty-eight million to one hundred and thirty. Blake Masters raised twelve million, and uh, Mark Kelly's raised eighty-two. We got to close the gap. So I've got a website called lindsaygram.com. Any money you send me goes to the five top races: Pennsylvania, Arizona, uh, Wisconsin, uh, Nevada. The top top five races: uh, uh, Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Nevada. I'm gonna split the money evenly. We did real well this morning on Fox and Friends. And if conservative people don't give a little bit, right, we're getting cranked. Well, I'll tell you what, Mitch McConnell, who I know you're friendly with, just pulled money away from Blake Masters and basically said, "Let Peter Thiel do it." Uh, why? I don't get. I don't I mean, get it. Listen, Blake, why is that okay? Blake is gonna. It's not okay. So Blake Masters and Mitch has raised a lot of money. Uh, I appreciate what Mitch is doing. But when an outside group like the Senate leadership fund buys an ad, 
is four times more expensive than if Blake can buy it himself. So every dollar that I raise talking like this goes to Blake, and he can get four times the bang for the buck. But Blake Masters is going to win. I spent a day and a half with him. The border is broken. Mark Kelly is pretending not to be a Democrat. He's running away from the governor candidate, Kerry Lake. The governor candidate in Arizona is doing an awesome job. Kemp is going to win Georgia. It's going to help Herschel. It's going to help Blake Masters. We just need to get some money into the campaigns here at the end so they can be competitive. Why we pulled out, I don't know. So, Senator Lindsey Graham, our guest, Senator uh, Herschel Walker, I'm watching SNL. I see what late-night television is doing. One of the biggest misperceptions is that Herschel Walker is not bright. Uh, You might not want to vote for him. That's fine. Uh, Go ahead. But why is it okay to attack a black man as not being bright? Because he's a Republican, that makes everything okay? Okay, this, this is a really good point. The biggest fear the left has is people like Herschel Walker running successfully as a Republican. Because Herschel Walker has lived a consequential life by any standard. He's a Heisman Trophy winner. He played professional football. He has mentored soldiers, um, men and women who have suffered traumatic injury in the war. He's helped them share his life to help them heal their lives. He's a business person, very successful businessman. They marginalize him. They make fun of him. They mock him. Uh, And I can understand why Schumer believes that Warnock is a better fit for Georgia. From Schumer's point of view, Warnock is the perfect candidate for Georgia. But from a Georgia's point of view, Walker is a much better candidate than Warnock. So this belittling of black conservatives, women of color, Hispanic women are going to win along the border because the border is not secured. The Republican Party is becoming more diverse, and this is a nightmare for the liberals. They're trying to destroy Herschel. Because if Herschel wins, it resets the narrative that maybe we're not all racist in the Republican Party. And Herschel and others can inspire young people of color to think about being a conservative. That's what they're afraid of. Here's Barack Obama. He's on the stump saying you're looking to cut Social Security and Medicare uh, and you have no ideas. Cut 29. Here he is responding to the Pelosi attack. Cut 20. And nowhere did you see it more than in our politics where suddenly you have politicians doing their best deliberately to stir up division, to make us angry and afraid of each other, just for their own advantage. And all of this was amped up, hyped up, 24-7 on, on, on cable and then on social media that finds that it's profitable to promote controversy and conflict instead of facts and truth. So you really think that uh, Republicans, he thinks Republicans are responsible for this? All I could say is that Barack Obama went to Georgia to help Warnock and Stacey Abrams because they're both um, losing ground. He lost Georgia twice, but when he was in Georgia, he belittled and tried to humiliate Herschel Walker. He's going around the country, dividing the country, not trying to unite the country. I remember his presidency as a very divisive time. They would have been no Donald Trump without Barack Obama. And when it comes to foreign policy, he was a nightmare. He said the ISIS uh, group was uh, JVT. They slaughtered the Yazidi people. He uh, empowered the Iranian regime with money from a nuclear deal at a time the people were revolting against the Ayatollah. Uh, the bottom line here is that Barack Obama is the best they have 
And if you look at what he did for America, I don't think it's going to sell. So this idea of trying to destroy Republicans of color is being done in a fashion because they're afraid of a breakout of the Republican Party uh, all over the country in every demographic group. And it's going to happen in 2022. Mark my words. We're going to have more African-American and Hispanic Republicans elected in 2022 than any time in history. And and lastly, Senator, that one more time, the address if people want to help you out. Okay. If you send lindsaygram.com, that's my website, I've set my site up to funnel money to the top five uh, races on the Republican side. I'll end with this. If we get the House and the Senate as Republicans, the first bill we should bring up is border security, dealing with fentanyl. Gotcha. And we should do energy independence. So, lindsaygram.com. Thanks, Senator. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. You've been crying over and over again about the condition of the oil and gas industry. You started off the debate saying that today. This week, we learned that they are all, they've got record profits at Exxon, record profits at Shell. And they're using those record profits not to help consumers here in Colorado pay at the pump, not to help on diesel, but to buy back stock to do financial engineering. You should join me. I have a bill that would say they have to pay a a windfall tax. So what was his answer to that? That was Michael Bennett desperately trying to keep getting six more years in that seat. Joe O'Day is trying to change that. Uh, The Republican from Colorado. Joe, welcome back. Brian, thanks for having me on. He had no answers. So we'll answer that question. How did you answer that question? Well, what I told him is get out of the way. Let's get the supply going again, and let's start to turn on the faucet here in in Colorado. We've got the cleanest natural gas molecule in the world, and we should be producing it right here, and he has no answers. All he talks about is how he wants to limit this, limit that. He wants to spend money every time we turn around. He's solely responsible for the $1.9 million trillion dollars that they threw into the market that caused this record inflation. He didn't want to talk about any of it. So with, when it comes to the oil and gas companies, they're almost prevented from patrolling on federal land. And then on top of that, the permitting process to make it happen, it's got to be financially feasible to make it to take a shot and decide to right. drill and ex- excavate. And then when you tell uh, big time financial firms not to invest in oil and gas, then you basically have them stand pat. So they have a rare commodity. They can't now be sold. They can be sold for a much higher price. So you're telling you're you're making their prop their commodity more valuable by not allowing them to make more of it. So down the line, it's not up to these companies to tell a, a gas delivery company to make less, the gas stations to make less. Be, there's a very little profit in all this, all the way down the chain. They have not made any effort to understand the business. But, and they don't. And he continues to pass policies that just are crushing working Americans. And, and I called him on it the other night. I asked him, I said, do you regret all this spending that you've dumped into the market that's caused record inflation? 
and he just fumbled. He didn't. He 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 didn't step up and say yes. We regret it. What he said, he doubled down and said, no, no, no. Those are great policies. The guy is lost. He's been there 13 years. He's the, one of the most ineffective uh, senators that's ever been in the Senate. And and he's looking for six more years. They're outspending me four to one here in Colorado. It's unbelievable the amount of money they're dumping in this to try and keep this guy in office. I hope your listeners will help me. JoeOdeye.com, J-O-E-O-D-E-A.com. We're one, running one heck of a race here in Colorado. We've built a huge coalition. I'm getting across the state one more time. We're headed for Durango this morning. Hey, Joe, uh, you decided uh, in college you ended up going to the construction business. Why would you do that? Well, I wanted to build things. I wanted to make you know our, our world better. And and my wife and I got into that business uh, years ago. It's a great business because there's a lot of people there, working Americans, that you get to share your day with. Right. And I got to tell you, we built a huge team, over 300 families that work at Concrete Express right now. Uh, and I just enjoy the people. I, I got to tell you, man, it's been a great business. So when you actually have a business, take risks, buy land, get an office, furnish that office, go out and get contracts, fulfill those contracts – deal with people on a daily basis, set up a human resources department. How does that get you ready, do you think, for this job and maybe better prepared? Well, I've been on the back end of every one of these policies that uh, uh, politicians like Bennett uh, passed, and I'm the one that has, you know, I'm I'm a business owner. i got to deal with it. And, And so I've seen the backside of this, you know, every time they turn around. I call it death by a thousand cuts. Every time they turn around, they pass a new rule or a new law. I got to tell you, half the time when I'm filling out the paperwork, I wonder whether anybody actually looks at it. We're on, you know, we're trying to run a business despite the fact that government is in our business every day, and and I, that's when I'm qualified. I know the effect of every one of these policies, so we need to get government out of our way, and and that's why I got in this race. So you got in the race and you're campaigning, but you have to win over Democrats to be successful. Definitely independents and Democrats to be successful in Colorado. How have you done that? Well, we're just talking about the issues that are affecting working Americans here. You know, it's the economy, the price of gas, it's the price of diesel, it's the price of groceries. We've got record crime here in Colorado. It's up 30%. We're number one in stolen vehicles. We're number one in bank robberies. We're number three state in violent crime. That's what that's what working Americans here in, in Colorado are talking about. And and I just continue to pound on those issues because that's what's important to us. But I got to tell you, we, we've got Democrats that have de- donated to my my campaign. Uh, I was in uh, Pueblo last night. I had uh, we had a rally and I had four or five de- people come up and say, hey, I vote Democrat all the time, but I'm voting for you, Joe, because we got to have a change. So you said if I tell me if I have this wrong, you said you'll almost be the Joe Manchin of the Senate, in what respect, for Republicans? Well, we we need representation for Colorado. We've got the most ineffective senator that's that's in the Senate right now. He, the Bureau of Land Management headquarters, has moved out of Grand Junction because he doesn't know how to use his seat. We've lost Space Command at Colorado Springs because he doesn't know how to use his seat. I had a lot of respect for Manchin, just you know, sitting down and saying, no, "I'm not going to pass that. I'm going to wait until I get something good for." Uh, West Virginia. And, and, and that's what we need in Colorado. Somebody's not afraid to stand up, be counted and say, you know what, you don't get my vote until I get what I want. And, and that's what we need here in Colorado. You're saying you're going to stand up to your own party. 
every day. I'm going to stand up for Colorado. That's why that's why I'm in this race is, is we need representation for Colorado. So here's what Senator Chris Kuhn says about the state of the game as he sees it, if he can express it. He thinks Democrats will be successful. This is the man that replaced Joe Biden in the Senate cut to. Inflation is worse in the United Kingdom, in the European Union, because of the ongoing impacts of the COVID pandemic and Russia's war of aggression against Ukraine. Our inflation rates are lower. But that doesn't make a difference if what you're seeing at the pump is high prices. Gas prices have come down $1.25 since the summertime. We are seeing progress in reducing gas prices. We've taken strong action to address the prices at the grocery store, um, both the Department of Agriculture and bills that we've introduced in the Senate. Democrats have concrete plans, and we have taken action to address the prices that I hear from voters they care about. Uh, Have you seen those plans? (laughs) I haven't seen any plans. They passed an Inflation Reduction Act that won't do anything to lower the price of anything. It's going to actually raise prices. It's a tax. And then they're going to hire 87,000 IRS agents to come shake down working Americans and, and collect more tax from us. These guys are lost. It's, it's a narrative that they're trying to, to make before an election because they know they're in trouble right now. Uh, you know, they're dumping the strategic oil reserves so that they can keep the price down. I guess the midterms are, they view as an emergency. I don't I don't see it that way. And as soon as we get through this election, they're going to back off and prices are going to continue to skyrocket. So uh, just to give you an idea what's happened with the economy, Wolfgang Puck, most famous, you could argue, uh, chef out there, says uh, the luxury dining industry is feeling the pinch of inflation. In a recent interview uh, with Yahoo, the world-renowned chef says it broke it down to point blank, saying some of this thing has gotten out of control in terms of prices. So rich people are staying home. Also, what I find really worrying is diesel is now uh, we are running out of diesel fuel. So, of course, what do trucks take? Diesel. It's going to drive up fuel. Fuel costs get driven up. Some trucks don't drive. And then the price of the food that they're delivering go up. So how the hell did we run out of baby formula? We're running out of gas. We have to use strategic oil reserve. And now we're running out of diesel, period. Yet working Americans are going to really feel it. Uh, this diesel is going to go up another dollar is what I'm predicting just because of the shortages. You know, they've crushed our refineries. They've shut a bunch of the refineries down across the nation, uh, which is helping to drive the price of diesel up. Uh, it's going to be really, really grim Christmas. Uh, we've got to make a change here in, in the United States, and it starts with Republicans on November 8th. I hope your listeners will help me. It's joeoday.com, J-O-E-O-D-E-A.com. Like I said, he's outspending me four to one. Uh, they, they don't want to see me in the U.S. Senate because they know I'm going to bring policies that are going to bring relief to working Americans. And, and Joe, if uh, you have about a three-point, three- to four-point gap on um, um, Senator Bennett, how do you expect to close that gap? Aside from money, what's the closing strategy, the closing message? Well, look, we're winning with Hispanic vote here in Colorado, and I'm going to continue to pound on that, just get my message out. People want to talk what's important right now. It's the economy. It's the price of gas. It's this crime. We've got to get our borders shut down. Fentanyl is killing uh, working Americans here in Colorado. We lost 1,900 last year uh, to drug overdose. Uh, And and that's the thing that's important to the people across the state. I'm just going to continue with my message. It's it's a great coalition that we built. 
Uh, these people are tired, they're exhausted, and they're ready for some relief. Got it. Joe O'Day, uh, not shy, not, uh, not worried about working hard, and he's uh, sprinting to the finish. Joe O'Day, eight days and counting. Talk to you again. Thank you. Thanks again for having me on. I appreciate it. JoeOday.com, J-O-E-O-D-E-A.com. And we had Joe on One Nation a couple of weeks ago, and he's making a lot of noise. So when we come back, I'll take your calls, one 7669 We're seeing a bunch of seats in play. Look at Tiffany Smiley out in Washington. Look what's happening with Lee Zeldin uh, in New York. Uh, look what's happening with the, the surge of Dr. Oz and Herschel Walker uh, down the stretch. And look how many blue seats have to be shored up to stay in the Democrats' column There's got to be a degree of panic. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first on the Brian Kilmeade Show. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Fetterman began his opening statement by saying, good night, everybody. It was a bizarre moment that debate watchers called his high point. I honestly don't understand why Fetterman was allowed to do this debate. Who's his campaign manager, the Miami Dolphins concussion doctor? And by the way, it's not like Dr. Oz did great. He just did slightly better than a recent stroke victim. Not true. And it was also in the cold open. I was amazed. I put this on Twitter. I just could not believe I'm watching a cold open. All they did is rip Republicans. I said, wait a second. I mean, we know where you stand to the left, but you know the perceptions out there that SNL has become just a a left wing organ like all of late night television outside Greg Gutfeld. And you start a cold open by ripping Dr. Oz and talking about how dumb Herschel Walker is. Really? And you heard me at that question I, I gave to Lindsey Graham. You know, for the longest time, I never felt comfortable ripping just saying anyone's dumb or not dumb. They have different views, whatever. I, if I think their views are dumb, I'll just say, well, I don't agree with you. I don't really judge, especially when you're an adult and we're not getting grades. No one's really dumb. But to go out of your way and say uh, Jimmy Kimmel, that Herschel Walker's head is full of rocks and uh, and, of course, just say that he's just talking gibberish in the cold open. And there was a time in which people, and that time is, we're in it. We're afraid to make it seem as though African-Americans are dumber than white people. And now, all of a sudden, you have no problem taking a guy that grew up with absolutely nothing, literally used to train without shoes on as a fat kid in grammar school, ends up being this incredible athlete, self-taught. I'm sure he had great ability naturally, but he... He never touched a weight in his life. He had no money to join a gym. Next thing you know, he's at Georgia, one of the best college football players ever, and who was tying Carl Lewis in track and field without taking a dime to keep his amateur status. So we know, and then he does bobsled in UFC. So this guy's got great success, and then he goes into business, has huge success, and then you just call him dumb the whole time. And then you mock him on SNL the whole time. I'm just astounded that more people aren't upset by this. And every time it happens, I mean, Raphael Warnock, did you watch him in the debate? I've watched about a half hour of that debate. You know how many times Warnock just stared straight ahead, had no idea what he was going to say? This is a reverend who's used to speaking off the cuff, you would think. And Herschel Walker, I spent a day and a half with him, interviewed him maybe 25 times. I've never walked away thinking that guy's dumb, ever. 
So you don't want to vote for him, that's fine. You know, you had a problem with his personal life and what he say? Okay, go ahead. But to go around, oh, he's dumb. All right. You know, there was a big controversy in football, and this was done totally in a naive way. They said every time a, a black quarterback's good in the NFL, they said, well, he's a great athlete. And every time a white quarterback was good, they said he's, uh, how, how smart he is and how he's great at breaking down defenses. And they said, you know, by keep saying that, subtly, unintentionally, I think, you are perpetuating this myth out there that, that uh, blacks are great athletes. That's the only reason to have success and whites are just really smart. I go, all right. Point made. You know, Warren Moon was not a great runner. He was a very smart quarterback, black quarterback. Doug Williams was a pocket passer, uh, smart quarterback. Randall Cunningham was this great runner. We know about uh, all the great runners in the league right now. Uh, by the way, one of the best is Daniel Jones. Last time I checked, he's a white guy. But I'm very cognizant of that. But that's where we were in this conversation until Herschel Walker starts running for president. There was like, he's got to be dumb. All right, good luck with that. I'm not going to do that. Looks like total total hypocrite. So, uh, and I, I wouldn't stand for it. And you don't want to be too defensive, you Herschel. But he went back at Barack Obama really strong over the weekend in great confidence. So we'll talk about that. The other thing that happened over the weekend, I want you to hear this. And it's really, if you could see it, it is a benefit concert for those who are wiped out uh, by Hurricane Ian. And the governor was, uh, governor was there. Luke Bryan performed. Listen to the response. We're going to have some fun and we're going to raise some money tonight for the great state of Florida. Right? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage, Governor Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis gets a huge round of applause. I believe it was in... Uh, Jacksonville that they had this, and he's extremely popular in the state in most places. He's going to win by about 12 points after winning by one. Probably run for president. So Luke Bryan, probably the hottest country star for the last 15 years. I think he leans left, if you ask me. That's what I heard. But he's fantastic host of the Country Music Awards. He had to come back. He got so much blowback because it looked like he was endorsing Governor DeSantis that he had to put out a statement. And I'm upset by the statement. He said, I, I typically don't respond to stuff when I'm getting run down on social media platforms. But there, here's the deal. I understand Governor Ron DeSantis is a very polarizing figure. But I grew up in a country where if a governor asks you if they can come and raise awareness to help victims of a natural disaster, you help. And he goes on. I understand Ron DeSantis is a polarizing figure. Yeah. I don't know. The way Barack Obama, is he polarizing? Donald Trump is polarizing. Um, Bill Clinton polarizing? Hillary Clinton? Yeah. No, no. You understand that he's a Republican governor and we're in an election cycle. That's fine. Polarizing figure. Why? Because he took on Disney? Because Disney was trying to make him be politically correct and thought it was, then uh, they mislabeled the bill, don't say gay bill, and he put that out there? Why? Because he cracked down on cricket? Because, listen, we were in election season. I'm not endorsing anyone. Ron DeSantis is a good guy. Obviously, he was... For him to apologize, I think it's a bad state. For for Jason Aldean and his wife to apologize is crazy, and they haven't. Be like Rob Schneider. The hell with it. This is what I think, and this is what I'll say. Come on, Luke. Stand up. Don't apologize. If you are for a Democrat, do it. Dave Matthews get any blowback for helping out Fetterman? No, he didn't. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade.
Hi, everyone. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the latest moment of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hope you had a great weekend. We're back in action at 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country, heard around the world this hour. Joined by Michael Goodwin of the New York Post uh, and Frank Luntz, who thinks uh, this country is heading toward a dark, during a dark, uh, in a dark way. Uh, well, Frank's been saying that uh, for a while. He does a lot of uh, focus groups. I don't feel that way. I don't think things are great right now, but some things are, some things aren't. You look around the world, huge challenge with the pandemic. But I was struck by this, so I jotted it down. Uh, when asked if this country is in a bad place, 79% of everybody who took the survey said things are out of control. Wow. Uh, also, CBS went on to say the biggest concern they have, 44% say the economy. Uh, 69% of the voters say the economy is bad. Uh, 56% of those who think it's bad are Democrats. They're in trouble. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. That's what Elon wants to uh, bring back to Twitter is reasonable exchange of ideas. So what they would like to do is silence the people that have opposing viewpoints. It's a way to communicate. Not going to happen. The billionaire doesn't need you. He just wants an equal marketplace. Twitter and Musk's mists. And celebrities promise to, I guess, exit. Will that change the platform for you? Number two. If people are upset with the status quo, which they clearly are, Democrats' only chance to hold on, especially in some of these Senate races, is to say the bigger risk is taking a risk on the other side. Staying with the status quo you don't like Mm -hmm. is uncomfortable, but not as bad. Amy Walter of the Cook Political Report. Big races, the most contested contest, the final debates. It's the midterms, eight days to go. Number one. There's a lot of movement in these last couple weeks with undecided voters. And we've seen the bases be excited for their candidates. But undecided voters, as Kellyanne knows, tend to vote on the pocketbook issues, on the economy. And the economy isn't in good shape. And that is why the Republicans are putting billions, millions, I should say, into a lot of these races that were bright blue. The economy is overwhelming all other issues. Dems are bogged down in January 6th. Abortion in Trump. The right-wing wave is reprimed. Michael Goodwin, New York Post, Fox News contributor. Yeah, you can follow him, M. Goodwin, underscore NY Post, on Twitter. Now I'm sure you're back on. Michael, welcome. Can you believe the Democrats have been so slow to pivot to the economy? And now that they're there, they say, oh, the Republicans are going to take your Social Security and Medicaid away. Really? Are we doing that debate again? Well, look, uh, Brian, I, I mean, as you were just saying, that the, you know, the fundamentals of this country, which are the economy and crime, uh, inflation, of course, being part of that, um, are against the Democrats. And so all they can do, as Amy Walter was saying, is make it seem that Republicans are extreme, that that's how they're bad. So they'll take away your rights. They'll take away this. They'll take away that. Uh, throw it up in the air. Throw, Say Social Security, Medicare, abortion. Um, you know, it, it is because the Democrats cannot run on their own record. I mean, it, it's a rather extraordinary thing when you think about it that, as you said, 56 percent of Democrats think the economy is bad. Well, how are you ever going to get independents and Republicans to vote for you if even a majority of your own party thinks you've done a lousy job? So it's a, it's a real uphill climb. And I think it is a, a testament to our polarization, frankly, that this election is even close. 
I mean, given the Democratic record, this should be a, an absolute and total wipeout of virtually every Democrat on the ballot. I mean, I but I see some of them now, uh, Blumenthal in Connecticut, for example, talking about Richard Blumenthal in the Senate, how much he has supported police, right? I mean, you're getting Democrats even now yeah. claiming they support police when we know, the public knows their party is the anti-police party. I mean, it's it's just extraordinary what a hole they have dug for themselves and the disgraceful way they're trying to pull themselves out, or I should say the way they're trying to pull the public into the hole with them. True. And I thought I thought about you with this exchange. So Chris Sununu, just one of these, uh, I think, just I, I enjoy listening to his interviews. He's, he's enjoying the job. He did not endorse Don Bulldog, and Bulldog called him. So he said he sold him soul out to China. He put it all beside him and said, listen, I want him to beat Maggie Hassan. That's okay. So Kirsten Nunu's on with Meet the Press. And I thought his reaction is much like our conversations. Cut 16. Why are you supporting an election denialist? And, and do you think the inflate, inflation issue is enough uh, to, comp, to sort of rationalize support for somebody who thinks school buses of voters are going to show up in New Hampshire? Yeah. Yeah, let me tell you, you, you're in a bubble, man. I love you, Chuck, but you are in a bubble if you think anybody is talking about what happened in 2020 or talking about Mar-a-Lago and all that. I know the press loves to talk about it. People are talking about what is happening in their pocketbooks every single day. And he went on. But I just want to, he just sat there, what are you talking about for people that meet people as opposed to people that do what I'm doing and you're doing? I'm with more normal people than I'm almost anybody, I think, who's lucky enough to have these jobs. And nobody's talking about Mar-a-Lago, whether you're a supporter or not. And that's what Sununu is just amazed at what comes at him when he goes on these shows. Well, when you, when you look at the mainstream media, I mean, it, it, it is as though they're on a different planet. I mean, wh- they write about people who are unhappy with Biden uh, as though there's something wrong with them. They don't, they don't really have the full picture. Maybe they're just election deniers. Maybe they're climate deniers. Um, I think they're Biden deniers. I think that's what it is. I think they figured out Joe Biden. They figured out the Democratic Party. I mean, I, you know, but it is the everlasting shame, Brian, of people like Chuck Todd, of the networks. I mean, you cannot you don't see anything on them that reflects the the real depth of understanding and the sense of uh, disillusionment with Washington. And this notion that somehow uh, uh, anybody who doesn't agree that the Democratic Party is the way forward, that there's something wrong with them, they're misinformed, they're ignorant, they're mm-hmm. bigots, all of these labels that the, that the left media keeps throwing on those who don't buy the Democratic Party line is really disgraceful in the history. And I don't ever recall any time, even in my life or history in general, where we've had such a one-sided media that is so destructive I know. and so and so propagandistic in its ways. I mean, it's, it's, this is a free country. Somebody should tell the media. Oh, that's why I'm so encouraged about Elon Musk. I don't care if Elon Musk agrees with me. I like the fact that he is going to undo the algorithms and let people go and make sure it doesn't lead to violence or any type of, uh, you know, there'll be standards, but it won't be because you're conservative, you're going to be uh, shadow banned, which I never even heard of before Don Trump Jr. was shadow banned. And now it happens all the time. 
It'll make Facebook stand out for doing just that. So I want to fast forward to this horrible attack on Paul Pelosi. The way we understand it as of now, this David Pepepe goes into the house, breaks into the house, saying, where's Nancy? And then he's got he's got a hammer and they start fighting. He bangs the guy's skull. Uh, Paul Pelosi ends up uh, calling 911, being very smart about it. They come in. They wrestle the guy to the ground, not before getting uh, being brought to the hospital, gets hit over the head and attacked. Could have been a lot worse. Looking at this guy's background, you know that he has uh, BLM and pride flags out there. You also know that he's got uh, – he, he is evidently uh, for QAnon or other things. He's out of his mind. He's also a nudist. So listen to Barack Obama. Listen to Joe Biden when he can to condemn, I guess, Republicans. Cut 28. You know, it's one thing to condemn the violence. But you can't condemn the violence unless you condemn those people who continue to argue the election was not real, that it's being stolen, that all the all the malarkey that's being put out there to undermine democracy. Right. And, and then just, that and then you have Barack Obama, cut twenty nine. And nowhere did you see it more than in our politics where suddenly you have politicians doing their best deliberately to stir up division. To make us angry and afraid of each other, just for their own advantage. And all of this was amped up, hyped up, 24-7 on, on, on cable and right, then on social. Right, of course. So he's trying to explain away this guy's behavior. When he has, he has abused his kids, uh, he is a Green Party registered public nudity activist. He's from Canada. He's against the, He's upset about the Ukraine war. He is all over the place. But it didn't stop Hillary Clinton from saying the Republican Party and the mouthpiece now regularly spread hate and deranged conspiracy theories. It is shocking, but not surprising that violence is a result. Are you kidding me? Well, Brian, I think it just speaks to their desperation. Um, and I, finally, with Joe Biden uh, attacking election deniers, I think he should leave Stacey Abrams alone. <laughs> I know. And Hillary Clinton. Yeah, that's right. We yeah. all know that Donald Trump is an illegitimate president. Yes, yes. And this, look, you know, I'll tell you, there's an old story that I heard. It's, it's obviously uh, uh, fictional, but it's the story of uh, a New Jersey town that had uh, a population that was 10% Jewish and 90% Irish. And there's an election for mayor, one Jewish candidate, one Irish candidate, and the Irish candidate wins 90% of the vote, and the Jewish candidate gets 10% of the vote, whereupon the Irish victor said, deplores the clannishness of the Jews. And it always struck me that, that everybody is always deploring the clannishness of the other side. The, we're, we're going through these processes. Every election is Barack Obama is trotted out of uh, his glorious retirement to talk about politicians who are demonizing and uh, scaring people. Well, that's what all politicians do. Every politician scares, tries to scare the other side to a certain extent. Uh, and you get desperate when that's all you have. That's the problem for Democrats now. They have nothing but fear. Um, everything 
everything is working against them, the economy, the sense of security with crime and the border, and just the world stage where it looks like everything is sort of hanging by a very thin Michael, thread. look at this. Here's an example. We know what happened in Afghanistan. Do you know right now ISIS and al-Qaeda are back with a furor? Do you know that bin Laden's son is now a major player in al-Qaeda back in Afghanistan? Do you know what that does to the men and women who lost their lives, their friends, or, or were severely mentally damaged for their days in sacrifice in Afghanistan? Do you know that this president just congratulated Lula for winning a Brazilian election, who was mentored by Fidel Castro, was jailed for corruption, is going to turn that country over to China? He's basically allowed South and Central America to be dominated by socialists and communists and the Chinese. You know, I, I mean, Joe Biden makes no sense, right? I mean, he never he never makes much sense. Um, and so, look, we're stuck in this era right now where we're at each other's throats. And look, even even if Republicans pull off a, a big victory next week and take both houses of Congress, that's not going to solve problems like this. It'll make policies better, or at least make them less bad in the short term. But we do have we do have a divided country, and I don't see any clear clear way out. I don't see any single person who can even be a consensus president yet, where you could get 60 percent, let's say. That's the whole thing about the Senate uh, uh, rule on uh, uh, obstruction, that you need 60 votes, right, the filibuster. It was always about a consensus. You needed to have a consensus. We don't have a consensus on very much in this country, and that's something I hope that the Republicans, if they win next week, can begin to build. Absolutely. That's the only way But, Michael, here's the thing, and conservatives have to give. When they elect somebody, sometimes they have to do deals. Conservatives want to throw you out as soon as you show any give and take. They did it with Cornyn and guns. So, you know, the minute you say, okay, I'll meet you halfway, Lindsey Graham, they go after him all the time because you got to get something done. Now, Joe Biden, if he loses both houses, he's going to want people confirmed. So, Joe, you want to get these confirmed? Good. We got to stop with the eighty-seven thousand IRS agents. That's got to stop. I need that water built. We already that wall built. We already paid for it. I want to see that that's done. There's going to have to be some give and take. So, when that uh, that cabinet officer gets confirmed, you can't vote that person out because they made a deal. So, the Republicans got to show some give at points, not all the time, but to get stuff done. And, and look, I think historically they will. Uh, I mean, they, they have, and I believe they will With under guns the right and circumstances. Yeah. I mean, it's the Democrats who who walk in lockstep. Republicans always have a few who will cross over. I mean, look at the infrastructure bill. Uh, that was the kind of thing where Republicans cross over. Uh, you don't see Democrats. I mean, I, I do think one of the distinction between the two political parties today, Brian, is that the Democrats will unite behind another Democrat for almost everything. Uh, Republicans will peel off. You'll get four or five or 10 or 12, yep. depending on the House, will peel off. There's no, there's no Mitt Romney among Democrats. Uh, there's no, there's no uh, uh, you know, Senator Collins. like that. There's no Murkowski. Or Collins, right? There's nobody like that in the Democratic well, Party. Well, you got Manchin, Manchin and was the closest yeah. it came, and that was out of the blue. Uh, and then in the end, he gave in anyway, right? So there, that's big difference between the parties right now. Yeah, I would hope 
You know, hopefully people feel that what I just said. A lot of people are mad at me for even saying that on the right. When I say that, people are like, no, you don't give in. You believe in something. Well, that's not the way our system's set up. Senator Fetterman, to me, eliminated himself when he said, I'm going to get rid of the filibuster. I mean, that is the type of divisive rhetoric that people of Pennsylvania, to me, I don't think would go for, but we'll find out soon. Michael, always great. Thank you. My pleasure, Brian. Thank you. All right. Frank Luntz is coming up in 10 minutes, but next to you, 1-866-408-7669. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. These are master manipulators. They have this conspiracy going all across America to try and convince people that in democratic states they're not as safe. Well, guess what? They're also not only election deniers, they're data deniers. The safer places are the democratic states. Uh, That is Governor Hochul with the most bizarre way of handling rising crime, saying data doesn't say it, but if you feel that way, I'll go along with it. Over the weekend, she had an event with the First Lady, Jill Biden, 175 people. I knew a few people on the, on the police force there that had to work security. 175 tops said all types of things, which I know politicians do, that aren't accurate, that uh, the, uh, Lee Zeldin uh, helped support Donald Trump. Uh, it was all part of January 6th and is going to make abortion illegal in New York State, none of which are going to happen. Number two, on Friday night, on Saturday night, rather, Sorry, Sunday was Hochul. Saturday night, Lee Zeldin went with Governor DeSantis. Word came out on Friday. By Saturday morning, they had 7,000 requests to attend, no charge, obviously. And that by the end, there was over 10,000 there. They had to cut off the number of people that showed up on a Saturday night on a parking lot on Long Island to watch Lee Zeldin and Governor DeSantis. If you don't think New York, much like Washington State and Oregon, are dying for change because people are dying you are absolutely wrong. What it would mean, would they come back all the way? Would Democrats really jump into the Republican column? Are independents there already? We're about to find out, but the numbers are ominous for Democrats. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. I think it goes to the Republicans narrowly, but it's going to be a very interesting, not just night, uh, but but potentially several days and could be a month. I say several days because Wisconsin, where there's a critical race, Ron Johnson and Pennsylvania, don't allow uh, local election officials to begin working the mail-in ballots, the early ballots, until the polls close. But it may be several days before in a close race before we know who wins in Pennsylvania or Wisconsin. Right. I, I feel pretty good about Wisconsin that it, we're going to know relatively early. But both of those states have this odd quirk in their law. Yeah, that's true. And you know who else feels that way uh, with Karl Rove? Uh, my next guest, uh, Frank Luntz. Uh, Frank Luntz, as you know, uh, an outstanding pollster, big time personality, and is concerned that we're going to be People are going to get very impatient as we count the ballots. And, Frank, not only that, you're concerned about how close these races are likely to be. Why? Well, I think Pennsylvania is going to be ground zero for this. And I remember what happened in, in 2020, 10, a.m., uh, 10 p.m., 11 p.m., midnight. Trump moved out to a very early lead. It was significant. It's because they were counting the ballots of people who voted that day. 
And as the percentage came in and they got later and later, it looked more and more likely that the president was going to win Pennsylvania. But that's because they don't count their early votes and their paper ballots until late at night or even early the next morning. If by law, Pennsylvania does not, you have to close the actual election day voting before you can count all those other ballots. So it's misleading. So we kept hearing that votes are being dumped. It wasn't dumped. It was counted. Republicans vote on Election Day. Democrats vote before. Republicans vote at the ballot. Democrats vote at uh, uh, early, and they vote uh, on paper. And that's a very big difference, and it causes people to misunderstand what's actually happening on Election Day. And you're worried that the longer people go out, the more they'll doubt. And I think the one thing we've done a a pretty good job on is having everybody realize for the last 10 years it's been building up from George W. Bush is an illegitimate president because his brother delivered Florida for him, even though Al Gore didn't say it, so many other people did. And then even remember the pushback when James Clyburn and others said Ohio really went to John Kerry, and there was a big effort to flip Ohio and their electors. That didn't help. 2008 was definitive. Uh, as was 2012 and 2016, we remember the Russian hoax that went on for two and a half years. And Hillary Clinton say even Donald Trump knows an illegitimate president. And the culmination in 2020, when the president still didn't admit that he lost, even though there's no proof uh, that he didn't lose. And so we end up with a lot of people doubting. Having said that, so many states have taken it upon themselves to shore up uh, any problems that they had. Don't you think that there's a sense? in this country that people feel better about the integrity of the process? No, they actually feel worse. And one of the reasons is this argument of voter suppression. And it is simply not true. You now have in a state like Georgia, whose Democratic gubernatorial candidate has made a career off of accusing Republicans in general and those of the Caucasian pers- uh, persuasion in particular of somehow keeping down the black vote. And it's not accurate. In Georgia, you can vote at night. In Georgia, you can vote on weekends. They've had early voting now for days. It, 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 it blows the mind, the idea that we don't have a single election day. We don't even have an election week anymore. And that still you have this argument, and it's simply a political argument. It's a racial argument designed to separate people. You have it is easier in America than it's ever been to vote. This idea of voter suppression is a, is a lie, and it's very frustrating to me because I know what it does to the confidence in democracy and the respect for and appreciation of our electoral process. I know I hear you, uh, true uh, too, and and I hope uh, Stacey Abrams in particular. Then she denies that she ever denied it, which is crazy. I want you to hear what Bill Maher said, and tell me if this resonates with you about the Paul Pelosi attack and what led to these these crazed lunatics doing what they did to Steve Scalise and, in this case, Paul Pelosi. Cut 30. When you tell people that they can't be heard, they don't go away. Donald Trump has been off Twitter. He didn't go away. He's going to absolutely get the Republican nomination next time. And his people, they didn't go away either. They didn't self-deport because he wasn't on Twitter. And you see, there was an attack at a drag queen story hour at a Portland pub. I don't know why people are bringing their children to a pub, but okay. (laughs) Then Nancy Pelosi, somebody attacked her, thinking she was home. She was not. Her husband got attacked in his home. 
You know, this is this cold civil war that we're in, that we've been hearing about. This is civil war. It's not going to be like the last civil war. It's going to be this kind of stuff. And I think when you, when you shut off that valve of letting people talk, I think that stuff only gets worse. And maybe Elon Musk could be the beginning of opening that up again. What do you think about Bill Maher's assessment? I think he's right. But I, he and I had an argument over 2016 and the way that he was treating the people who, when they were voting Democrat, when they were low income, low education, and they were voting Democrat, they were heroes. Suddenly, when they start to vote Republican, when they voted for Trump, they were uh, demonized. The whole idea of a basket of deplorables. And so I'm grateful to listen to Mark say that now. I wish he'd heard this back in 2016. But we have to get a grip in this country. We are so fortunate to have the process that we have. We are so blessed with an electoral process that the world still looks at or did look at as being better than any other. And we are losing it right now. And we need elected officials to pay attention, to, to stop insulting the people who vote, and start appreciating that we may be an election or two away from really watching this thing break apart. Uh, Frank Lentz, our guest. Uh, Frank, a couple of things are happening. The other thing I think uh, adds to the angst is when you say, I get elected, I'm going to blow up the filibuster, I'm going to add two states and have a permanent majority in the Senate. Uh, We keep hearing, going to pack the courts. So then you attack the institutions. You're right. You're, You're right, and you're intellectually right. It's not just emotionally right. But there were people who thought, my God, what Biden's going to do if he has the ability to completely rearrange the political process, the Senate process and the Supreme Court. Of course, people get angry because they think that the fix is in. They think that that their system is corrupt and it has stopped listening to them. You know what? If that if they've been able to do that, God knows what, what would have happened to this country. So, Brian, this is a message. This is a lesson. If and when Republicans do well in this election cycle, I'm not interested in revenge. I don't think the, the goal is to get mad. The goal isn't to get even. The goal is to get ahead, to do those policies, to restore respect for the rule of law, to restore respect for our men and women in uniform, to restore respect for our military, to restore an appreciation that it's your money, not the government's money. It's to promote a philosophy of freedom rather than to seek revenge over the over what's happened over the last two years. I want Republicans to succeed. I don't think the goal should be to punish Democrats and ensure they fail. Uh, absolutely. Because they because Republicans ultimately pay the price and then it's whoever gets in power punishes the other. Uh, and it's it's a bad cycle. And I just think that the beginning of a compromise. Well, one thing would have to come if they lose both chambers. You know, our system works, Frank, better than almost anybody. You know, the president's going to want some people confirmed in the Senate, right? Okay, how are you going to do that? Well, we got a wheel and deal. I'm, you know, those eighty-seven thousand IRS agents. You know that pieces of the wall that's rotting in the middle of the desert that the American people paid for. You want X, Y, and Z confirmed? Let's do a deal. And when we start doing deals again and start debating the. Uh, who got the better of whom, I think that's more of a healthy debate than who's in charge and who's punishing who. I agree with that. I would change the language. You know that I'm a language guy. So I would say that we need to cooperate. We need to work together side by side because that's really, and yes, it is a deal. You are correct. But I would use a slightly different language 
because I, I'm really nervous that we are going, that we have lost the faith in the system. And I want people to believe in it again, but it has to be earned. Belief isn't just given. It has to be earned and it has to be deserved. And by working together side by side, by rolling up your sleeves and actually getting the job done, then the American people can feel comfortable again that their system works and that in particular, it works for them. And for those people who want to deny an election, take these next week, next day, and if you haven't done it already, check out your system, your district, feel comfortable with your vote. But once you cast that vote, accept the result. Because this is the time to go out, elect the people that are going to set up the criteria, whether it's a signature match or whether it's ID is going to be needed, whatever it is. Find out about it, understand it, and don't tell me afterwards when you don't like the result, we're going to look to overturn it and you were cheated. So get do your homework now. Frank, appreciate the work you do. Hey, Brian, that was a great conclusion. You should play that every hour on the hour to remind people. we got eight days. And that I could not have heard anyone say it better than what you just did. Thanks, Frank. Appreciate it. Uh, Frank Luntz weighing in before eight days from this election. When we come back, Ryan Zinke having a, a hard time in Montana uh, getting that brand-new congressional seat. I'm surprised the Navy SEAL with conservative credentials, successful as a House member, very successful Secretary of the Interior. What's going on? The congressman, the former congressman and cabinet secretary from Montana joins me next. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis, because, man, do you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. And nowhere did you see it more than in our politics, where suddenly you have politicians doing their best deliberately to stir up division, to make us angry and afraid of each other, just for their own advantage. And all of this was amped up, hyped up, 24-7 on on, on cable and then on social media that finds that it's profitable to promote controversy and conflict instead of facts and truth. Really? So it's Republicans that are doing that. And cable news, that's the problem. That is why Paul Pelosi was attacked. I wonder why Steve Scalise was attacked. Uh, I wonder why uh, we're watching uh, the Jim Crow 2.0 as President of the United States, an ultra-MAGA of ultra MAGA Republicans being the extremist and the problem. I wonder if that divided it all. Let's go to a real expert, uh, Ryan Zinke, the former Navy SEAL, Congressman from Montana, and uh, Cabinet Secretary. Uh, Ryan Zinke, as your quest to be the first Congressman to serve the first district of Montana, welcome back. Great to be with you as always, Brian. I can tell you what, if uh, defending the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, is wrong and somehow is dividing our country, I'll take that badge of honor. Right. I mean, when this happens with Paul Pelosi, do you see this guy's background? This guy's background, he's an absolute nut job, BLM flags from Canada. He's a, he's a, a Green Party member with the pride flag who also likes QAnon. And uh, and the my pillow guy. So to label him a, a a Trump disciple or a right wing extremist is as insane as he is. 
Well, and look where it happened. You have the wonderful cities now, San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, Chicago. There, you know, at one time there were beautiful cities. You could walk through the streets with, with, with safety and, and pride, and, and now look at them. So, you know, th- this is an important election, Brian, as you know. I think it's the most important election of my lifetime because I think it casts two distinct visions of America. You have the abandonment of Joe Biden. He's abandoned God. He's abandoned our kids. He's abandoned environment by letting our forests burn down in the West. And he's abandoned our troops in Afghanistan. This is a party of abandonment. And, you know, what I'm seeing is that people are going to vote. But, Brian, if people don't vote, if people don't go out and vote, this election, and we're in deeper problems than, than just this election, because it shows that people don't care. And we have to care about our country because it, it affects every citizen that this country succeeds. And the Biden administration has been a disaster. Right. And I will say this. People are voting. Uh, the advanced vote is, is way ahead of the 2018 pace, which was very was, which was significant. Right now, 15 million have voted already. Uh, 1.5 million in Georgia already. 780,000 in Pennsylvania. How's it going in Montana? You know, we're 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 facing good winds. Uh, you know, if, if people come out to vote, we'll win. If people don't, again, we're in much bigger problems in this country than just an election. But we're feeling the same thing. We're we're feeling inflation is crushing. You know, the average family, we're feeling energy prices, no border, and there's a lot of fear, uncertainty, and doubt, Brian. And, you know, fear is the most used word in the Bible 365 times, mostly fear not in, the, in that context. But there's a lot of fear, angst, and anxiety of the direction of the country. And I, 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 it's encouraging that people say enough's enough. You know, so, yeah. boys should not be playing girls' sports, and, and puberty blocking should not be introduced in high schools. And it should be critical thinking rather than critical race theory. And you have uh, Governor Youngkin, who basically won on that message with education leading the charge, and Democrats are slow to acknowledge the economy's gotten considerably worse since. And I don't know what the rates are like on average in Montana, where you get a lot of land for your dollar reportedly. In fact, you've told me that, but um, well, as yeah, opposed to Long Island in New York. But now with, with the interest rates around 7%, if you're going for a mortgage, a fixed rate, that's pretty significant. People aren't going to sell or not going to buy. Well, you're exactly right, and, and to your point about about what we're seeing, you know, the the standard and the building block of America has been the American family, and when the American family is under duress for a lot of reasons, what we see, you know, the the, the fundamentals of this country become a lot tougher. So, you know, we got to focus on building back the American family. And, you know, if, if we bring energy costs down, we curb spending so inflation is down. Uh, somewhere between 1.5% where it should be. Interest rates will fall down. But, Brian, on, on affordable housing, which is across Montana and across the country, I think we've got to look at bringing the cost of mortgages down per month, uh, the, the price. And I, I think you've got to go to a 50-year mortgage, and I think the government can back that. doesn't mean you're going to stay in the house for 50 years, but how wealth is accumulated over time for most Americans is buying a house you know, buying something uh, where you can have equity over time. But when you're locked out because your monthly payments are too high, either cost or interest rates, you know, you're really locking out of a lot of America from accumulating long-term wealth over their lifetime and and not being able to, to participate in the American dream. 
What kind of influx? Uh, I know a lot of people seem to be moving to Montana. What has that done for your race? We're talking to Ryan Zinke. Well, there's two types. There's uh, refugees that uh, feel pain from their conservative views being being assaulted, so they're coming in. And we have some missionaries that that, that want to spread the gospel of of socialism. Uh, it's a, it's a little mixed, but Montana you know, still remains a you know, sanctuary of freedom. Beautiful country. Uh, people that come in, we just ask you don't you don't change our lifestyle. You 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 support it, and and Montana has a little libertarian streak, not liberal. We just don't like to be told what to do, and we especially don't like to be told to do you know to buy a, a government that is blind, deaf, and dumb of our values. We like guns. We like freedom. Uh, we like family in Montana. Congressman uh, uh, Ryan Zinke wants to go back to the House. Uh, and this time in the majority. So uh, help him out. Congressman, always great to talk to you. Great. You can follow us at ryanzicky.com. Appreciate your support, Brian. I look forward to seeing you again. Absolutely. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, 1-866-408-7669. Hope you had a great weekend. Uh, thanks to everybody who came out in Rochester. Uh, we had a great time. I've never uh, been at Barnes & Noble there. I've always been in Rochester a couple of times. Went to Frederick Douglass's birthplace. Got the chance to see his gravesite. I've been to Rochester for the special on the President and Freedom Fighter. And thanks for everyone that buying the paperback, which is now out. Go to BrianKilmeade.com. I can personalize it for you. And with that, we're doing kind of a mini tour. So I was able to go to Long Island on Thursday, Barnes & Noble and Bayshore. Great turnout there. And hundreds showed up on Saturday night and uh, uh, signed for quite a while. So it was great and great to meet everybody and how zoned in everyone is uh, to this election. And it's not known as a bastion of republicanism. They are all 100% firmly with the bills. Uh, today, the president of the United States, not doing much. Didn't do much over the weekend. Today, he's going to some type of memorial uh, is President Obama and the vice president doing all the work because Democrats don't want to hear what Joe Biden has to say. And I'm going to be getting a lot of calls this hour. In fact, maybe even squeeze some in this bracket because Brett Baer at the bottom of the hour, and I see the lines are jammed already. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. That's what Elon wants to bring back to Twitter is reasonable exchange of ideas. So right. what they would like to do is silence the people that have opposing viewpoints. It's a way to communicate. <laughs> uh, Joe Rogan uh, laying it all on the line for Twitter is exactly what we hope for. Twitter in Musk's midst. And celebrities are looking to exit. Will that change the platform for you? Number two. If people are upset with the status quo, which they clearly are, Democrats' only chance to hold on, especially in some of these Senate races, is to say the bigger risk is taking a risk on the other side. Staying with the status quo you don't like Mm -hmm. is uncomfortable, but not as bad. Amy Walter, Cook Political Report, Big Races, the most contested contest, the final debates and rallies. It's the midterms, and we're eight days away. Number one. There's a lot of movement in these last couple of weeks with undecided voters, and we've seen the bases be excited for their candidates. But undecided voters, as Kellyanne knows, tend to vote on the pocketbook issues, on the economy, and the economy isn't in good shape. No kidding. I didn't think so. The economy is overwhelming in all other issues. Dems remain bogged down on abortion, Trump, 
and everything else. Uh, now some blue seats might turn red. Is the right-wing wave now undeniable, or can President Obama save the day? So if you look at that so-called generic congressional poll, USA Today, Suffolk does one, 49-45%. Uh, it was now in favor of Republicans. 16% of the voters who were undecided end up breaking towards the right. Now it's only down to 6%. We'll keep this in mind after this election. We'll see where we go. Now, Zeldin, unbelievable weekend. This is why I know Republicans are seeing polls that show that this guy can win. Governor Youngkin is here today in Westchester County because I'm in Manhattan and that, that's up north of us. And then over the weekend, on about Friday morning, Zeldin and DeSantis have been friends since Congress congressional days. He said, listen, I'm going to come down and do a rally for you Saturday. So the Zeldin camp put it out. They had 7,000 invites, had to shut it off. Over ten to between ten and 12,000 showed up to a parking lot in the middle of Long Island. Why would they do that? Because they believe in Zeldin and they love DeSantis. Eight days to go. You cannot tell me momentum's not there. Hochul does an event with the current sitting first lady, gets 175. Today, Hochul's going to be with Hillary Clinton. Please tell me how she benefits from that. Going to be with Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton, yeah, she was a sitting senator in New York, but she's not inspirational. All she does is complain and whine and talk about what she would have done had she won and that she was robbed. Now, she can't say she was robbed because that'll help uh, confirm what we all know, that Democrats are as bad as Republicans about complaining about elections that they don't like the outcome for. They were not the first. Here's what uh, Lee Zeldin uh, had to say this weekend. Cut 11. I have been focusing on the issues that New Yorkers say they want me focused on. And the other side is trying to change the topic and talk about other issues, which shows how disconnected they are. So at the debate a few days ago, when I was talking about, hey, you know, Kathy Hochul, we're now through multiple questions about crime and you still haven't spoken about the whole lock up the criminal aspect of fighting crime, which she could have taken as a hint, a clue. Maybe you know, she should have thought I was helping her. Instead, she goes after me saying, I don't see why that is so important to you. And when she says that, it's really a, a comment to all New Yorkers who care about fighting crime, that this, she doesn't understand why this is so important to anyone out there. And she hasn't really backed off it. She says they are data deniers. She says data says crime's not bad and zero crash bail is not doesn't give bad results. He says she says Republicans are inflating worries about crime. Uh, that according to Hochul, uh, yeah, she was appearing on Al Sharpton's show. That'll that's the way they attract Republican support, even independent support. Hochul pushed back against Republican worries about crime only days ahead of the midterm elections. Have you been down to the subway yet? Do I have to tell you? I'm not saying that everybody on the subway gets pushed on the tracks or gets uh, gets attacked. I'm not saying they're getting sucker punched, all of them. But I'm telling you, it's happened a lot. And I think the numbers are up 39%. While we used to have 4,000 cops in the subway, now it's down to just over two. More trouble for Democrats. Sean Patrick Maloney. You might not know him, but just know this. Democrats look at him as a leader uh, and maybe a future speaker. Well, he might not win his election. In fact, he is trailing uh, in uh, upstate New York. Uh, he pushed back on everyone that says he's for to fund the police. He says, I've always looked to fund the police, but they're panicking. He's running a spot now where he's with a bunch of cops. Well, listen, you are not saying this got to be reversed itself. You cannot say outside James Carville, nobody was saying uh, to fight, who wasn't saying to fund the police, they were keeping their mouth shut. It's been a, it's been a mantra since Ferguson for Democrats. 
and then you combine that with the go easy on crime while empty in the prisons, it's a toxic mix that has Chicago unlivable, New York heading that direction, San Francisco, the capital of smash and grab, homeless is the number one growing industry in Los Angeles. Those are all the one thing in common. They got people that want to put the criminal first, and it doesn't help. It is the number one issue. So listen to this exchange with one of the hottest races in the country. Another up-and-coming star in trouble, Stacey Abrams, trailing by as many as eight points against Brian Kemp when she said she was robbed and didn't really lose, that she was stolen. The election was stolen from her. Listen to this exchange. Cut seven. Men and women in law enforcement know who is going to be with them, who has had their back and will continue to have their back, and that is me. And that's why we have the endorsement of 107 sheriffs around this state. As I pointed out before, I'm not a member of the good old boys club. So no, I don't have 107 sheriffs who want to be able to take black people off the streets, who want to be able to go without accountability. I don't believe every sheriff wants that. But I do know that we need a governor who believes in both defending law enforcement, also, but also defending the people of Georgia. That is one of the most damning statements I've ever heard. Without much reverberation. Yeah, I'm not one of the old boys network. Number one, boys and girls, nothing to do with it. Doesn't matter how long you've been around. It matters what you stand for. Number two, when you said take blacks off the streets, are you insinuating that your co- the cops that you might be in charge of want to take blacks off the streets? If that's your perception, that sometimes if things go wrong, yeah, obviously. But you just told the whole country exactly where you stand. That's why not one cop nor their families, not one retired man or woman, are going to vote for you. Listen to this. Cut eight. I believe in public safety. I did not say, and nor do I believe in defunding the police. He is lying again. And I've never said that I believe in defunding the police. I believe in public safety and accountability. Ms. Abrams on CNN got asked the question, would she defund the police? And she said, yes, we have to reallocate resources. That means defunding the police. Of course it does. What are you, crazy? That's why she's trailing by eight points. No one believes that she accepted the election results. Number two is no one believes it's Jim Crow 2.0 in Georgia. Because when you look at what's there, you understand it was rhetoric. You lost the All-Star game because of it. You had all these, evidently, these movies that were going to be shot there, pulled out of it. You enjoyed celebrity status. You made millions of dollars. You got Oprah's endorsement. And then when it came to run again, Brian Kemp has had great success. And in case you think he's just a Republican uh, running on conservative principles, he pushed back against Donald Trump to the point where Donald Trump tried to have Senator Perdue beat him in the governor's race in a primary, and he didn't get close. Ed, listening in Augusta, Georgia. Ed, what is the sense on the ground? Well, I hate to burst everybody's bubbles, but I, I don't I don't see any red wave coming. Okay. Because I see uh, here in Georgia— Especially, I don't see anybody voting for um, uh, Herschel Walker. I really don't. What I mean, town are you in? You're in Augusta? I'm, I'm in Augusta, correct. You don't right see anybody anyway. vote. So what, how would you describe where you live? I live I live in Duluth, Georgia, in Gwinnett County. And I can tell you right now, a lot of people are coming out there out of fear um, because they think it's going to be a red wave. A lot of independents went out and did their own research, and they figure out what the Republican Party is all about. I'll be honest with you. What do you, you know, think it's about? What's going on. What do you think it's well, about? 
Well, I see what's going on, what happened in England, you know, when you put Republican policies into effect, it damn near ruined the English economy. No, it didn't. Yeah. The woman came well, out there and she said she wanted to cut taxes, had no well, idea how to implement it. It's not like she almost destroyed the economy. She came out and well, says, I want to cut taxes on the people that make the most money. She didn't destroy the look, economy. And look what happened. Look what happened. The British pound tanked and she's out of office so right do you now. So do you, you think know? that if people want to – do you think if people want to cut taxes – that our, our economy is going to tank? Well, every time we cut taxes in this country, sir, we, it, it, it always leads to disaster. Well, I mean, well, how's it going w. now? Is, is oh, Joe a Biden minute. a tax a cutter? Well, just like I was telling your call screener, I don't see anything wrong with this economy. When you have 3% unemployment, the only thing I admit is inflation is too high. But my son quit his job two, a couple of weeks ago, got another job making $23 an hour. If we're in a bad economy, you know what? I'm all for it. Well, congratulate, congratulations to your son. But if you look at the economy right now, you have had not had inflation like this in 40 years. And for you people to point out to Western Europe's worst, well, Western Europe's got is basically socialist with their socialist programs. That's why they've had zero growth. If you look at China, you look at Japan, you look at Australia, that Mexico, for all for all their problems, they have lower inflation than us. And for for one thing, I don't know. Seventy-nine percent of the country say the economy's bad. So your son got another job, and you think the economy's good? Well, there's jobs all over the place in my state. Absolutely. The, the you know what's? Listen to the, this. The current unemployment in Georgia. Absolutely, is under 3%. unemployment's great. You know how many open jobs there are? Eleven million. Do you know how many people uh, uh, are need need work? Seven million. The big story is why are those seven million still without a job, and why are eleven million jobs open? Why is 62% uh, of why only 60% of the American citizens working right now when the number should be 69%? Because we've given so much social so much social spending uh, to these people, there's no sense of working. They're not signing up for the military. The president's embarrassed us overseas. He is he is actually gutting the military. He's sending our armaments over to Ukraine, which I'm glad about. But he's not replenishing the contracts, so we're not making new weapons now, even though we give him billions into the Pentagon. So I'm glad things are going well for you, and I'm pretty sure most people would disagree with you. But let's find out. Mike, listen on WNDB. Your last caller, he needs to know more, doesn't he? He needs to know that 79% of the people think that the this country is out of control. That's what you've been reporting all morning. Brian, after your last guest, Frank Luntz was on, I'm going to ask you the question that all Republicans were going over in their mind when they heard him say it. He said, we need compromise. The Republicans are about to win. And you know what? We need compromise. Brian, a rhetorical question. Why is it when Republicans win or they're about to win, we need compromise, but when the Democrats win, elections have consequences, don't they, Brian? True, but to, to Larry, good point, uh, Mike, good point. But keep in mind, there's one way to lead, and there's one way that, to do the way things are done. There's one way to lead. If you want to lead, there's compromise in everything you do. It doesn't mean you have to compromise on everything. In order to get certain things done— you have to compromise on certain things. If you just want to stay in your lane and wait for 60 votes in the Senate, we're going to have to wait generations because, for the most part, it's only been done once in my lifetime. And it was what? Uh, what was that? 
three months until Ted Kennedy died. And then that was thrown in the street. Barack Obama tried to jam it down our throats. He lost 63 seats in the House. He got spanked. Donald Trump lost the House, got a couple of seats back in the Senate. Then we lose, Then the Republicans lose all three branches, barely. So in the be- meantime, if you want to have long-term success, not all the time, in certain areas, there should be compromise. But no one's talking about that. He's not going to – the Republicans, if the best-case scenario, they get the House and the Senate, right, Mike? Right. If they do that, they don't have the White House. So this guy's going to be vetoing everything nonstop. To override the veto, you need two-thirds. We don't, uh, we don't have that as a country. So we're going to be sitting there in a stalemate. If that's the goal, okay. But if you, there are certain things that you could do to get that wall built, I'm for it. To get, a, to, to, um, to get those 87,000 IRS agents off the books, I'm all for it. If, see, if you could accomplish your goals by giving in certain other areas – I'm for that. That's my point. Argument, Brian. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Um, listen, I don't want to. I don't want to rush anyone off the phone. So I'm going to come back. I, I see you all up there. I'm going to get to your calls. I have no problem if you think the uh, you heard that caller. I like that that caller called. But when you say that there's the economy's good because unemployment's low, that's Joe Biden. But the bottom line is, look at this number from CBS. Sixty-nine percent of voters say the economy is bad. Seventy-nine percent think our na- think things in our nation are out of control. Forty-four uh, percent say their number one concern is. Fifty-six uh, percent say the number one concern is the economy, and sixty-nine percent say it's bad. This is a CBS poll. It doesn't go out of their way to attack Joe Biden's America. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Bottom of the hour. I'm going to talk to Brett Bear, but next I talk to you, Brian Kilmeade Show. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. During a White House ceremony, President Biden wished Kamala Harris a happy birthday, then accidentally called her a great president. <laughs> Even worse, he was talking to a portrait of Michelle Obama. He did. He actually called her a president twice, and she, he's done it before. What is wrong with him? Larry, WNIS, over in Virginia Beach. Hey, Larry. Hey, how you doing? Okay, what's on your mind? Brian, thanks for having me on. Um, well, I was talking to my grandson, who I'm, I'm originally from Pittsburgh area, and I was talking to my grandson. I'm in Virginia, uh, actually driving trucks with his diesel prices killing me. But uh, he's in the Carpenters Union up there in the Pittsburgh area, and I just was talking to him, making conversation. I said, how are you, you going to be voting there, grandson? And he told me, Democrat. I'm like, why in the, you know, would you do that? All the unions telling me to, I'll better chance of getting a pay raise and that's all you're basing this on son he said yeah i said you don't listen to the news you don't do none of this you don't and he's like no he's busy working you know long hours and just so they're basically pushing you know young new employers employees to vote democrat in the unions which wow that's just in my book that's totally wrong it doesn't surprise me it does i mean they're kind of used to it uh, but especially young people, they're not watching or listening to talk radio. They're not watching cable news. 
So they're on TikTok, Instagram, and other things. That's where Republicans got to go. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Why are you supporting an election denialist? And and do you think the inflation issue is enough uh, to comp to sort of rationalize support for somebody who thinks school buses of voters are going to show up in New Hampshire? Yeah. Yeah, let me tell you, you, you're in a bubble, man. I love you, Chuck, but you are in a bubble. If you think anybody is talking about what happened in 2020 or talking about Mar-a-Lago and all that, I know the press loves to talk about it. People are talking about what is happening in their pocketbooks every single day. And that is Kristen Inouye, gov- very successful governor of New Hampshire, who might very well be running for president. And he really echoes what so many people tell me. What are you talking about Mar-a-Lago? What are you talking about with January 6th? Important, but not leading issues when economic challenges are, are in front of us, like inflation, and now running out of diesel fuel. You hear this? Brett Baer, chief political anchor for Fox News and anchor special report, joins us now. Brett, I thought you'd enjoy that exchange. Yeah, you're in a bubble, man. Um, I think that is indicative of the election and how some places are covering it. You know, I think there is this thought that, you know, Trump and Mar-a-Lago somehow overshoot uh, and the focus on 2020 and anything that he says or puts out about the election or anybody else who says that, like Carrie Lake or others, uh, that that somehow overcompensates for, you know, the real economic woes when you sit at the kitchen table and you're doing pencil on the back of an envelope about how you're going to go from check to check month to month. Um, That's real. Uh, 2020 and you know, what happens with the investigation uh, is, you know, aspirational for the left uh, to see some major thing happen. Uh, but what families are dealing with is day to day. You know, a couple of things, you know, that's going to flush itself out in the right first, because you, if you've if if uh, former President Trump runs and you want to beat him, you're going to say, hey, what happened in Mar-a-Lago? You know, what happened here? And the left is going to be just observing. Like they are. And I don't know if you flip around a lot. I do. They are all over this DeSantis-Trump brewing rivalry in between. So they, they want to get into that, that type of soap opera. Uh, Definitely. 100%. So that, yeah, so they're looking to push that. But I, what I find most intriguing is how the Republicans, first time in a long time, are starting to pour money into traditional blue seats in California's 26th district, New York's 25th district, Pennsylvania's 12th district. The Republicans are starting to pour money in. They see an opportunity. And then first and foremost— a chance to get the governor's seat in New York. How real does that seem to you? I think it's real because the issue of crime changed the dynamic. And you have Governor Hochul saying things like, you know, the focus on the crime stats is, um, you know, conspiratorial in some way or a, a right wing conspiracy. That is the wrong message to be sending about a New York City that is besieged with crime. It's not fake. It's not made up. And it's not just New York City. And that's the thing. It's it's the feeling of safety around the country. And so, you know, Democrats came off of the defund the police. There are some that still stand by it. But it was a big message for a while. And it really hurt some people like Mandela Barnes um, and Stacey Abrams, and because there is tape, there is digital images and sound of those people saying that. And I think that 
that becomes a problem. Uh, I think crime is a big issue. And secondly, I, I think that um, you're going to have a, a lot of swaying the final minutes uh, to the opposing party. And traditionally, you know, midterms go that way. The House traditionally is about a 30-seat turnover of the opposing party. Um, and the Senate, you know, is right on a knife's edge. But I think Republicans are def- definitely within shooting district. I mean, Laxalt seems uh, seems as though he's been leading for quite a while now by one or two points. Uh, with Hispanic votes, is, I think it's the most noteworthy, noteworthy. He told us Saturday night that I did not know gas was over $6. And now we find out that diesel is an issue in the Northeast. They're asking for emergency diesel fuel. And this is a president yeah. that ran on the fact that he wants to make fossil fuel old news. You can't run from that. Uh, and when you talked about Stacey Abrams and there's some tape of this, you talk about to fund the police. That came out last night in the debate. Cut eight. I believe in public safety. I did not say and nor do I believe in defunding the police. He is lying again. And I've never said that I believe in defunding the police. I believe in public safety and accountability. Miss Abrams on CNN got asked the question. Would she defund the police? And she said, yes, we have to reallocate resources. That means defunding the police. So um, reallocating resources, obviously she loses that. I mean, that's why there's probably between a five and an eight point gap between the two. That's the difference four years later. Right. And, you know, she also said that she never um, didn't concede the election for governor before. And obviously there's a lot of tape of of all that. Listen, that works sometimes in some races where it's not really a focus and somebody says, look at the shiny thing. I didn't say that before, but not when it's a focus what people care about. Um, If the left is going after the right on 2020 denial, of course, Stacey Abrams is going to be a focus if she didn't concede when she lost. So, you know, if the, uh, you know, issue is crime, of course, there's going to be efforts to look at past statements on defund the police. So I think that's a a big deal in those races. Secondly, when Republicans are spending in districts that they have not spent in, and they're expanding the map, that means that Democrats have to then deploy funds to defend those seats. That is a different map that you're looking at. And off the record, both Republicans and Democrats um, acknowledge that the map is expanding, not You're, fake expanding like when yeah. the Clinton campaign spent in Texas. Um, no, real expanding like uh, different races. Absolutely. So uh, I want you to Kevin Walling, former uh, Joe Biden campaign surrogate, cut 18. When you look at the early vote numbers, I think we're on pace to beat what we saw in 2018 in terms of voter turnout. About 21 million Americans have already already early voted. 70 percent of all ballots cast in 2020 were early vote. And what I see is a growing gender gap in a number of these key races, whether it be in Wisconsin, to uh, Mandela Barnes's point with Kellyanne, whether it be in Georgia with the Walker uh, uh Reverend Warnock, a battle going on. You see a 14-point spread in some of these key states with gender. Uh, That's a good night for Democrats. So we've got to hold on to that gender gap going into these next nine days. So I guess we'll see where that goes. They they have to. He's speaking optimistically about that. I have not heard many optimistic statements from from Democrats. I want to share that with you. Yeah, listen. There's a chance that they squeak out some seats. Um, that are surprising, but uh, they're really in the defense mode of 
of big seats like Sean Maloney in New York. I mean, spending money in that race to defend the head of the DCCC is really a big deal. I, I also think that um, you know some of these races, early votes, you have to be careful about early votes because you don't really know how they're voting, but you go by the registration and where they traditionally have voted in the past. In Nevada, early vote was about D plus 16 heading into election day. It's now D plus three. And that's not good, you know, as far as Democrats in Nevada. Two races that have a lot of people befuddled. Iowa is Grassley in trouble. Number two, Utah is Mike Lee in trouble. One, I, th- I don't think Grassley's in trouble. I think eventually it'll all come home as far as um, – you know, control of the Senate uh, in Iowa and that Republicans will turn out. But the polls are a lot closer than anybody thought they were. And, you know, it's one to watch, but it's hard to believe that that's going to turn that that way. I mean, I think he's up five maybe, but it's single digits. Utah is also single digits. And, you know, Senator Lee was on Fox News Sunday last yesterday. I have Evan McMullen on special report tonight. Um, you know, the interesting thing about this race is that he's campaigning as an independent, but obviously is being funded by Democrats. And while he says he wouldn't caucus with either side, by not doing that, you would then give Democrats the the chamber if it came down to that one race. So I think, um, you know, it's it's close, but it's it's hard to believe that that Lee's not going to pull that out, but we're going to we're going to see. That's one to watch. You got a brand new podcast, November first, uh, dropped uh, uh, tomorrow. Common Ground. Uh, it debuts. I understand. It does. Yeah, we're going to do uh, twice a week. We're going to do All Star Panel, which is the traditional, and then Common Ground uh, as a second podcast drop in one week, and that's bringing left and right uh, together, uh, different ideologies together, not just lawmakers, business people, CEOs average folks, uh, and see where you can start by finding common ground, listening to each other, you know, and then, you know, deal with the questions that we disagree with. But um, we thought this was the time to start talking like that. We've done it on the show a number of times and seemed to fit. So a little bit more expanded uh, conversation. We've had all kinds of senators and congressmen all on already. So town hall tomorrow, Tim Ryan and J.D. Vance, was it tough getting them to uh, to commit to this? Because this is it. They did their, you know, there's risk to this. They've already yeah. done their debates, right? So they made their final argument. Now it's a sprint, and they stopped by you guys first, you and Martha. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's a big deal. It's It did take a lot of negotiation. And, uh, you know, we wanted to do a debate. We wanted to do three or four debates. Um, but candidates this cycle have been ultra-cautious. Leaders um, early on have not wanted to do any more than they had to originally. Um, We offered debates and town halls. Uh, It did take a lot to get this across the finish line, but fortunately, uh, both campaigns, both candidates said yes, so it's in Columbus. Uh, It'll be six to seven, single sponsors, so each candidate will have uh, 25 minutes. We'll have some headline news and some analysis afterwards, Uh, but a good crowd in Columbus, and uh, we should – Get some good answers uh, one week ahead of election day. Go get them, uh, Brett Bear. I'm going to be watching. Uh, don't make. Don't, right. I don't want you to be nervous about it because there's other people besides me watching. But I know. Uh, but you're the biggest critic. That's right. I'm always calling you up saying you could have done better, right? <laughs> you could have done better. Right. Seven oh one. It's Brian again. <laughs> <laughs> hey Brett. Thanks so much. We'll see you. All right. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Learning something new every day. 
on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Sometimes a familiar face can be the most terrifying. In political news, President Biden has said he intends to run for re-election in 2024. You trusted him once. I know he's a little old, but he could still win. Right? He beat Trump. But can he beat DeSantis? I don't know. I don't know! But if Biden's not going to run, who will? Just when you thought the terror was over. I, I don't know. I don't know. Kamala? Oh, wake up! You realize it's just beginning. There's got to be someone. Cory Booker, he's corny! There has to be someone. Uh, Biden, maybe? Are we back to Biden? Yeah, I, I like Biden. Biden. So Biden? Biden's great. Right? He's Biden. 2020 Part 2, 2024, coming in 2023. Right, well, it was relatively humorous, but it's so true, though. I mean, now uh, there's a big thing, too, on Fox News right now. There's pressure on, 20, uh, on Biden and to make his announcement on 2024. Not really, not until after the midterms. I think they'll give it about a week, and then a lot of pressure will be uh, turned up. And you'll see Gavin Newsom, Kamala Harris. You'll see uh, Klobuchar. You'll see Mayor Pete. You'll see, uh, hmm. you'll see Governor Pritzker, Pritzker, hmm. man, it's tough. They do not have a lot of, they do not have a deep bench. Richard, you're listening in Georgia. Richard, what's happened on the ground there? Hey, man, Brian, awesome to talk to you. Uh, listen, I just want to talk about that one fellow that called from Georgia just a little while ago, and he was talking about his son and how his son went and found a job making over $20 an hour. He's in a Republican state. That's why his son is able to go from one job to another here in, in the state of Georgia. My daughter did exactly the same thing. She left a good job with a you know large, you know, I don't know what you want to call it, but a Real good outfit here in Georgia, and she's going to work for another one. And uh, she'll probably be at about $28 an hour. Awesome. And, and the thing is, on inflation, wouldn't it be great to get that job and have inflation in a tameable way? And right now, yeah, the only exactly. way they're trying to tame inflation is to continue to spend and raise interest rates. They're just letting the yeah. water get deeper and giving us all swimmies to stay just above it. I just thought the irony that, that you know, he, he's yeah. gone from a Republican state, wants to talk about a Democratic president and what he's doing with our economy and whatnot. And he's got it good right where he's at. Now he needs to vote that way. Go get him, uh, Richard. Always love talking to people from Georgia. Paul, WABC. Hey, Paul. Hey, Brian. Thank you so much for taking my call. Um, yeah, um, my son was intimately involved in putting that um, Zeldin rally together. Um, we got the word on Friday. We were there Saturday. That place was electric. It really I heard. something pulled together in 24 hours. Amazing what they were able to do in such a short period of time. And the people turned out and everybody was into it. And the message got through. And if you ever wanted to know whether um, the local uh, hometown newspaper wasn't left leaning, all you got to do is look at Zeldin, Long Island homegrown. Here his whole life. His kids go to school here, four terms in Congress, and Newsday endorses Hochul. They ought to be ashamed of themselves. Who's done nothing, Paul? Absolutely. Newsday's an embarrassment. The only thing I like about it is the high school sports. They'll, they'll cover the high school sports locally. And, and in terms of news, they'll do things that's important to them, not, not that we need to know. 
and the Post Guard compensates for it. The Daily News is invisible, but that's the story locally. You know what you need, Paul? You know what we're seeing? This is organic. It's not a catchphrase. It's not a nice sign. It reminds me of Trump. Even though different philosophies, Trump wouldn't have worked. We're not going to win New York, but he'd win Long Island. But the way this came together, people are desperate to get their lives back. I'm talking about, I'm talking about the crime, and I'm talking about these schools, and I'm talking about girls and boys sports. And uh, Wolfa Hochul has no idea what's actually happening here. She really doesn't. I mean, she's from upstate New York, and she thought she'd raise a lot of money and and just coast to victory. And I thought the story on Friday was fascinating. Democrats saying we have no ground game because we haven't had to use it in 20 years. They ha- don't have a way of getting the vote out. Nobody knocks on doors. They never had to before. And Republicans always had to to have a shot. Uh, let's go out to Ron listening on KRM- KRMG. Hey, Ron. Hey, Brian. A couple of callers back, I was listening to your conversation, and somebody uh, throughout the uh, conversation mentioned the word compromise, or, you know, Republicans need to compromise. I wouldn't say need Um, to. At some point, you have to. Well, I know, but the thing about it is, is we don't need any more Mitch McConnell's. Uh, the com- campaign speeches out here, they use one word over and over and over. And if that's elected, if I'm elected, I will fight for this and fight for that. Would you vote for somebody that says that if I'm elected, I'll compromise for you? Hey, Ron. We don't need any more compromises. We need some some backbone. Okay. True. And, uh, so, we're, by we're the way, Ron, I'm going to be there. Uh, we're coming up against the show, so I'm going to be there November 13th. So hopefully I'll see you there. I'll call on you first. Uh, America Great from the start on Fox Nations. I'll be on stage. Hopefully you'll go get tickets at BrianKillMe.com. But, Ron, here's the thing. Let's, whatever you want to accomplish, you name it, build a wall, uh, do immigration, whatever you want. You don't have 60 votes in the Senate. And let's say in the best scenario you have the majority in the Senate and the House. You don't have the presidency. So do you just wait to get 60 votes? Do you wait to get a president in? Or do you use maximum leverage now? Your thoughts, real quick. You fight, just like the Democrats do. They are organized. They're together. I know, but they, they don't they pass don't any. Quit. They, got, they got some Republicans to pass two things. The rest of the stuff jammed down Republicans' throats gets people just angrier than ever before. And that's why Republicans are going to win here. But at certain times, you got to compromise. I don't say all the time, but I think you do in every other aspect of your life. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.